0: Okay, Cameron, we are back. Uh, thank you everybody for tuning in to episode 2 of Oh No No No, no the Wraith Rovers podcast. Uh, once again, I am your host for this episode, I'm Duncan Cameron. Uh, but Joining me today, we have the scorer of the greatest goal that the North End Starks Park has ever seen. It's Ian Latto. Ian, how are you?
1: Very well, Duncan, how are
0: you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. Uh, we've got someone who thought it was a good idea to bring a tangerine-coloured mug to an episode about Dundee United. Uh, it's Christina Beatty. Hiya, Christina.
2: Hello, how are you?
0: Very well, thank you. Uh, we have the only man with a contact book of ex-Rover's players to rival John Greer's. Uh, Blair Hopcroft's here. How are you, Blair? Very well, mate. Thank you. Excellent. And uh, the Scott Brown of this podcast It's the skipper, Robbie Weir. How are you, Robbie? I'm excellent, Duncan. Excellent. So, um without further ado, uh, we're gonna jump straight into the Damien Casalinovo Derby. Uh, so the rovers are home at home done the United on Saturday. Loads to talk about. Um and I think we'll go to Blair first of all, um, if you want to kick us off with your thoughts on how you think rovers might line up and how you see this one
3: going. Yeah, I think it's gonna I think it's all gonna hinge on Keith Watson, to be honest, um in terms of how we line up. Um I can see it being very similar um to Saturday. Um yeah, the the lineup this season's kind of obviously been pretty static. Um and I, I listened to obviously episode one and you guys were talking about the kind of midfield and, and all of that kind of thing and, and I think for Saturday it's one of those games where the two holding midfielders are probably going to be quite important. Um my worry is obviously without Keith Watson you've got Scott Brown in at centre half. So yeah, it's a it's a funny one. I think if if Keith Watson plays Scott Brown back in the midfield, to me makes sense. Those two holding midfielders kind of strengthen the middle of the park. But um, yeah, it's, uh, listening to Ian Murray's interview, it doesn't sound massively promising. But um, yeah, I think that'll be the that'll be the turning point. I think.
0: Yeah, I I think you're absolutely right. That defence that we've got at the moment, it really is the the distance between the first pick for every position and second pick is pretty huge. Uh, We've really got one main left-back, one main right-back two senior centre-half.
3: I kind of wondered if he would do... The the, the thing on Saturday, I wondered without Keith Watson, I kind of thought he might put Dick in at centre-half and play McGill at left-back just to keep the middle as kind of solid as we could. I mean, Scott Brown did a good job, but I don't know if we lose him in losing him in the midfield, a massive loss given given how he's played for us. Sounds like he, I mean, I think he
0: fancied that at Somerset because he wanted to get those extra attacking players on. But as you say, you'd think up against Dundee United, different proposition. You then it's one one holding midfielder too much of a risk. Um, Ian, what are you thinking about this one?
1: Um, I'm intrigued to see what the kind of front four is going to be. I know we've kind of spoke about the defence and the and the kind of holding two midfielders there, but it's uh, it's like a weekly thing just now. It's the, it's the Larry David gif every time. I'm kind of thinking about what the front four is going to be. Swetherin it is it you know Smith or Stanton or Vaughan? Is it going to be Mullin out wide or? Um, I, I I would like to see Hamilton play. I'm a I'm a, a massive massive fan of Hamilton. Um, I'd like to see him at nine. We're standing in behind. Easton off the left and Smith off the right. Um, but just <clears throat> kind of thinking about how well we did last week, I wonder if Hamilton might miss out, and I wonder if Vaughn might play. Um, ah yes, Th- this is the first time I think in my my entire kind of Vodafone sporting career where I, I don't think we've got a best eleven. I think we've got a very good squad, and I don't think the quality drops off at all when we make any substitutions. So if you think back to last season, you're like, oh God, Connolly's out. Who's going to play? <laughs> you know, like, it was a, a a real quandary. But like this year, you, you, you could pretty much take your pick. And uh, I, I think having that that strength and depth, it's 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 obviously fantastic. Make the subs late on in the game and, and change the game in your favour. So um, Dundee United, as you mentioned, are a, are a different proposition to probably anything that we've come up against so far. Like they've got co- so much quality through their team. Um, so I would like to say that we're gonna win, but I would absolutely take a draw. Absolutely.
0: I think that the point you made about the depth, um, Craig Cairns had an article on the courier yesterday that was very, very similar. And I the point he made is is undeniable, which is Dundee United starting eleven is almost certainly the best in the division by a distance. But when you look at their options off the bench from Saturday there when they, they beat Queen's Park, not a lot there at all. Um their the striker they brought on for Tony Watt, I, I literally cannot remember his name. I'd never heard of him before. Um, hmm. So not a huge amount of depth there. So it does give you an option. I wonder if actually to kind of combine those last two points, I wonder if you might not drop Stanton back into the midfield too, and actually keep Brown at centre half, play Stanton next to Byrne, and then it's it's one less attacking midfield needs to worry about leaving out. Um, yeah.
1: I mean, I, I, am, I am slightly more optimistic about Watson's uh, prospects. I think Murray might just be keeping his cards close to his chest. Um, you know, if Dundee the United think that, that they're going to be up against Brown at centre-half and then suddenly Keith Watson's playing, that's a completely different game. So there is certainly a possibility for that. So I am slightly more positive um, with a, a more positive outlook on that than, than certainly you guys were. Um,
0: Robbie, what about you? what are you thinking to this one?
4: Yeah, I think, it's again, it's going to be a really interesting game. Uh, a lot of tickets sold so far. Um, we're looking, clubs obviously just released that it's just under 6,000, which is I think is our third highest in sort of like the newest era uh, after two games against Rangers. So really, it shows the, the sort of volume of support from both sides that are bringing. Um, interesting because obviously, while we've got Keith Watson out, they're missing potentially Lewis Malt as well, who's just an exceptionally good forward who's not had his injury issues obviously in the past um and a half. But yeah, just in, in general, you look at the players that they've got Glenn Middleton, even the the younger lads like um they've obviously had a few younger players like Fotheringham and Glass uh that seem to have sort of stood out in recent times. Um so yeah just really interesting game of football. I think it will be quite a tight affair. I know I said on Sunday that I think it will be a one 0 win through Dylan Easton But again, that's very much heart, rule and head. And um, yeah, just uh, excited because I think, again, you you look at the games for last season and we never really had an opportunity to get any sort of big fixtures like this, top of the table clashes just due to the situation at the club um, and sort of how restricted we were in the players. This is just a game that everyone can really get behind. And it's just great for everyone involved uh, to have that opportunity, regardless of how the result goes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just on that point you said there, uh, Glenn Middleton and younger lads. Glenn Middleton's only 23. <laughs> Inexplicably, he's only 23. Feels like Is he's he been really? around forever. Yeah. Wow. He's like the the anti-Adam Lallana, where they said that he, he was promising <laughs> until he was about 34. Um, what a unique category to fall into. Yeah, <laughs> just I, 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 I just I saw the other day I was like twenty three. That must be a typo. I mean swapped around. But anyway, sorry, that's that's not important. That's just a, a thing I noticed. Um, Christina, I think you've got a statistic or two for us on this yeah. one.
2: Yeah. Um, so we played Dundee United back in 2006 in the Championship twice, and both times it was a draw. The first time was two two, and the second time was 0-0 And then we played them again in 2017. They beat us 3-0, we beat them 2-1, and then they beat us 2-0 again. So, as far as the Championship goes, it's pretty even. Um, That was back then. This season, we've both won five games. They've lost none. We've lost one. And they've got four clean sheets. We've only got two. However, my prediction for Saturday is that we're going to win 3-0.
0: Excellent, good.
4: So, see, uh, see, just to jump in there, sorry, um, the, that's those seasons when they were in the Championship and we were there at the same time, it's just like a black hole for me. I remember the two all-game up at Tannadice, and I remember Kevin Cuthbert getting injured. Other than that, I cannot remember a fucking thing about that. Like, I, just, remember, I, remember I,
3: remember, actually, I remember chanting Gary Locke's name. I was going to say the same
0: thing. <laughs> I was I was fully Gary Locke pilled up at Paradise. It's yeah. <laughs> just like this is amazing and everything's gonna be brilliant forever.
3: Because it was Ray McKinnon, wasn't it? It was, Ma- it was the season Ray I McKinnon was for United. Yeah, uh, Jordan United.
0: Jordan Thompson scored an absolute belter. And so did um,
3: Evan McKay. McCartney. McCartney. Yeah.
1: <laughs> two screeners. I think that
0: that might have been a collective fever dream because none of the things we've just said sound right. <laughs> not nah. that no nah, that. None of, none of those things happened again. Uh, Gary Locke possibly imagined that and we were all just <laughs> along for the ride. Must
4: have been about the time that Scott Roberts scored a goal from about 30 yards um, and then we went to Falkirk and won like 4-2 or 4-1 I think it was, um, and Davidson absolutely marked playing at right back, marked Miles Hippolyte out the game, but
0: other than that it just went downhill from there, didn't it? It's just like, yeah, ah. yeah. Aye, that, was, that that was, I really enjoyed that game at Tanadice, but um yeah, I think uh, probably notable, Dundee United just said that four clean sheets so far, uh, all three of their away games yet to concede a goal, which is um, is pretty impressive. I think that's probably, probably a bit of an indicator as to how they're going to get along this season. I think they, and I don't think this bodes particularly well for us, I have to be honest, I think they're going to struggle against stuffier teams and they're going to be better going toe-to-toe. I think if you just look at the players they've got, I don't know if anybody saw the highlights of the game against uh, Queen's Park, which I don't know how much you can judge against Queen's Park at the moment. They seem intent on just being ludicrously open. But loads of play down the wings, really kind of quick football, and I think that's that's what we want to be. And I wonder if... um, it might not end up being a very, very open game in a case of who scores first on Saturday yeah. to really go and take it. Because well,
2: um I didn't yeah. mention about the, the clean sheet thing is though, I feel like I wanted to mention Debrovsky because I think since we've seen him since the beginning of the season, I feel like he's really, really coming into his own now and I feel like Saturday is going to be his coming to the Rover's moment. I feel like
0: <laughs> I don't know if maybe. there's such a thing as a as a podcaster's curse, but if there is that sounded like it to me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so, um, I hope he doesn't jinx me now that I've just said that but I feel like he's definitely improved massively
0: yeah and I think um, I, I think I said this on, on the other um, on Sunday's podcast but he's getting a chance to settle in with the defence now and that's uh, massive for goalkeepers um, of any level of experience but aye it, it almost like he, he needed that mistake against um, Cali Thistle or Queen's Park I forget now uh, Queen's Park just to get out yep. of his system because uh, it felt like it was coming and everyone was waiting on it, but he, he recovered from it really well. So
1: um... I think I'm, I'm really positive about the way that he has bounced back. Um, I, I much like everybody else was delighted when he signed. I thought, you know, like that he came with an absolutely glowing, uh, glowing references from all these kind of previous sides. Um, and then quite quickly, I think within probably by the end of the preseason, certainly by the league cup games. Kind of thinking like this is, guy's got a mistake in him, you know, like he really does. But he's such a lovable guy, and he's like, you know, like he's he's the 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 the, the sort of guy that you want to do well so much. He's so involved, and I'm sure he I'm sure I've already moved to Kirkcaldy because he wants to get involved in the town, and I just want him to do so like so well. Um, but the way he bounced back from that mistake has been been fantastic. Do you know what I mean? He, he really has made made so many good saves since then. Um kicking could be slightly better, but I'm I'm more than happy to overlook that. Like I have got I've got absolutely no qualms with the occasional goal kick going out for a going out for a shy on the halfway line if if, uh, if that's what the payoff is.
3: Yeah, I it think kind of... the team learns to adapt to that kind of stuff as well. on your goal player. I was gonna say he, he's 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 <laughs> i I just think he's an enigma. Honestly, like he's he came in and for me at the beginning, I was actually genuinely worried the first couple couple of times I saw him, I thought, same thing, it's that thing if he's got a mistake. But for me, it was like when the mistake happens, it's gonna be on Sky Sports. It's gotta be one of those mistakes. Like, do you know what I mean? It's not he's not just gonna like it slip underneath them. like he's gonna kick it off the back of somebody's head and it's gonna go in the goal or something, like something really ridiculous. But the thing that worried me most about him was actually all the things that everybody loves about him. It's that love of the fans. It had massive John Fred Erickson vibes about it. Like <laughs> Man of the people, loves the kids, waving at them all as he comes out and stuff. And I was just like, just just do your job, just keep going. Okay. Like, Never didn't, ends you didn't well. Didn't, you did not need but... to give them your gloves. Like, just you, you know, keep your gloves. Just you just see be that. A... When he did
2: make that big mistake and he was turning around to the fans, giving it all, and I'm really, really sorry. I'm like, turn around to your team and say sorry, for God's sake. <laughs> me on that. Like, uh, he made me quite nervous to begin with because we're obviously used to Jamie McDonald's sort of style yeah. for a long time. And then in comes Dabrowski and he's in total, yeah, he's a character. I like think he but, was probably yeah. getting
1: an absolute body in from the rest of his teammates. It's probably why he was looking at us, to be honest.
3: Like,
1: Watson and you and Murray were probably on the verge of throttling him at that point. So, I like, think we were right. probably a better option than that.
0: You're absolutely right. You could write a list, as long as you're arm, of these guys who come in. And everybody just wants them to do really well. Like Nando right. Mendy as well. Yeah, you like, oh, all I want is for you to be a success, and and, and and it never ends well. But to so be fair, to I, think, in there
1: I think
0: I <laughs> think Kev Dabrowski's already surpassed the the combined achievements of John Fredrickson and uh, Nando Mendy. Uh, as much yeah. as I, I, love them both. Um,
3: it's funny as well because I was going to say he's he's the only player in football, and not just goalkeeper. He might be the only no-footed player I've ever seen. <laughs> so. He kicks the ball. And I feel like I'm slagging him off. I genuinely love him. Hey, If you watch him when he kicks the ball, and I, I play a bit of football, and I am not good in any way, shape, or form, and I am very right-footed. So when I kick the ball with my left foot, I look really uncomfortable. The hands come out, and he seems to do that with both feet. I've never seen anything like it in my life. He just doesn't look comfortable. Kick. It's like he's—I don't know if his foot's too big, and he's worried he's not going to get it underneath the ball. Kevin,
4: <laughs> if you're listening, I don't give a fuck. I still love you, man. Just I be you.
0: I—I I just think it's incredibly brave to be that mean about somebody who's that big. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, wouldn't it be me? <laughs> but that—I think—I think, I think the, the big, big part of this game is going to be, um, as you said, the, the fitness of the players that are doubtful on both sides. Um, Louis Mote would make a huge difference to Dundee United um, I think there's a, a lot of teams in the championship who have that kind of number nine who can make a difference at any time, even some of the, the sides that, that aren't you know in, have been in great form up to this point this season I think Ayr United did really well to bring in Anton Dowds
3: mm-hmm.
0: I think, had they not done that I think they'd be in real trouble but you saw on Saturday, alright, they still get beat but Dowd scored that goal, came out of nowhere when we played Cali Thistle, they were in really poor form, they looked really poor, but all the time you're thinking, uh, Billy Mackay's there, like he can score goals out of nowhere Louis Moultz, quite possibly the best striker in the division, definitely falls into that category (laughs) I know Tony Watt scored twice on uh, Saturday against Queen's Park, again I feel like there should be an asterisk against them at the moment I don't think he holds that same kind of fear factor, I think you'd be quite You'd fancy your chances up against a side that's been kind of led by um, by Tony Watt. Again, famous last words there, but I mean, we'll see. Um, but I, I think if we're going into this game without Keith Watson, that's a lot of covering that someone's going to have to do. Somebody's going to end up out of position. I think it's mean, a huge it's
4: ask. Comfortably, by far and away, the most experienced player in our squad, like w- without even a doubt. Like, but I... Uh, just got to, to deal with the situation, I guess. One thing that was quite interesting was just listening to, to um, Ian Murray in an interview, just um, talking about Sean Byrne and obviously the impact that he's had on the squad, saying how, how Sean Byrne wanted to come to us as well, uh, rejected other clubs, uh, despite what some other podcast <laughs> might claim and Ian Latton knows exactly what yeah. I'm talking about um, so yeah, he's just again, that type of player that you want for games like this, just someone that sh- can just go in, quietly go about bodying players and um, just turn over possession and i uh, very interested, I like the wee promo of uh, the wee uh, what are they, uh, yeah, football the figures players. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. just those um, with uh, burn body and Tony Watt, so hopefully that'll be uh Turn into reality and speaking to, um, existence come Saturday.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I'm with you, Ian. By the way, on on um, Jack Hamilton, I think as much as they get a result out of that game um, against their United, I think we were both on the same page when that team line came out, which is that you're asking a lot of those um, that front line in all its numbers and however you line it up, without Jack Hamilton there to be that kind of focal point. As much as he probably doesn't yet fall into that category, of those number lines I was just talking about, he's not really found his shooting boots yet. I would categorically have him back in for this one. Can I ask a question? Do you
4: think that with Hamilton, that he almost suffers because we're trying to play him as that sort of target man? It's almost like he, he's got to sort of fall back a bit to get the ball. Um, often it's getting like knocked down in the air. It gets knocked off to someone like a Josh Mullen or um in terms of if it goes out onto the wing um and then it's getting crossed in and he's just not there. Do you think that's a bit of a, a sort of difficulty in that you want to be the target man but also you can't really get the sort of number nine proper or full experience with that? I think Maybe.
0: it's 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 a bit of both. Um I think sometimes it's actually the other players kind of trying to decide how to use them best. And I think certainly if you go back to Airdrie, we just didn't get people close enough to him um, to that point. But that, I think he's good enough to do both. I think he's good enough to be a kind of a target man and an actual, you know, kind of striking number nine, which is something that I think we've lacked for for quite a long time. Um,
3: See, I look at it as... He, he's he's not not getting chances. I mean, he's not got his shooting boots on. I think is probably the best way you can describe it. Aye, that's I mean, he, had Airdrie, he had an absolute clear cut chance to score a goal, um, and he, he's still you know getting on the end of, of kind of chances and, and they're finding him. My worry for for Saturday is that I'm not convinced he's the best option because we I don't know if, if it depends on how attacking we end up playing, but I'm not sure if we can get to him quick enough. He's not, you know, he's not a Gregory Taddy that's going to run about and chase lost causes all afternoon. He's very much a kind of out-and-out out striker, and and he kind of holds that central role, which is which is great if you get boys to him. But against the injury, it, it didn't work because we were too far away from him, and he can't he can hold the ball up forever. I actually wonder if Gullin's a better option on Saturday just for the energy of chasing stuff down and and kind of left and right and kind of pulling people. And my worry with Jack Hamilton is that he just ends up, like I say, just too isolated
0: Um, I think that's that's really interesting because I think you're right and nine times out of no, actually, I think you're right, nine times out of Mm ten I wouldn't, because I'm incredibly frustrated by Jamie Gullen when he plays up front because of how much he moves about yeah. I'm f- I'm fed up watching him on the touchline, like, yeah. get into the middle of the park, because you see it sometimes, he gets the ball and he looks up, and it's like, yeah, there's nobody there, because that's you, you're supposed to be yeah. over there, yeah. but actually, Dundee United, you look at their centre-half pair, and you've got Declan Gallagher and Kevin Holt, Declan Gallagher, I think, has to be the best centre-half in the division, Kevin Holt's absolutely up there as well. How much change is, you know, a big focal point number nine going to get out of those two, especially if you're not getting someone else close enough to him? So actually, is it a case of a more... Again, not to turn into Jonathan Wilson, but more of a kind of false nine, Jamie Gullen who is moving about so that you're not just giving these guys headers to win all day. um, And he is much more comfortable kind of dropping deep and going around because you've then got, hopefully space being created for the likes of um, Easton and Mullen and friend and of the podcast, Callum Smith, um, <laughs> to, to exploit. Because that that's what I think when it's not worked for Hamilton it's when there's not been anybody close enough. And fundamentally the best strikers in this division aren't going to have a great day up against two centre-halves if there's not anyone else close enough. And that is, if you take two of the best centre-halves in the division, I think, I think certainly that could be difficult for them. Um, that so that in terms of um Ian You said you'd have Stanton in behind Hamilton if that was if you were uh, if you were picking.
1: Yeah I think Stanton's just in great form. I don't think he can drop him I like, think I think he absolutely has to play and the number ten is his best position. Um mm-hmm. I, I, he's a weird play Stanton because he's got the legs and the energy of a player that plays at number eight. He's like a box to box midfielder. Who can also play six, but is also the best position at ten. It's like he's like a he's a complete midfielder for the championship. I'm going to be totally honest; like he's absolutely fantastic. I'm one of his biggest fans. Um, he's he's got everything. He he can finish. He's got a great range of passing. His energy is unrivalled. Um, he's a he's an automatic starter for me just now. I think he has to play, and if that means that it's at the expense of Vaughan at the minute for me, I would play Stanton. I and
2: just would to you? Sorry, Christina, I... on you go. Right, I was going to bring
0: up Vaughan, because I was wondering if he would get a start on Saturday or not. So that and... ties into what I was, I was actually just going to ask Ian, because I think I would start Vaughan, but I think I would start Vaughan because I'd have Stanton further back. And it's it, its not his best position, but I think it's goes to one of Ian Murray's kind of favourite sayings, which is getting your best players on the park. I think that, for me, is the best way to do it. But for you, Ian, if you've got Stanton in... The you kind know, of behind the striker, are you bringing Scott Brown out of the defence and putting McGill in, or how are you so, kind of making that work?
1: I've gone for Watson's going to play. Um, or oh, right, of course,
0: so he did say that, yeah. I do
1: think I do think he will play, um, but yeah, if he's not, then I've kind of got here that I would move Brown back in the centre half, Stanton back one, and then Vaughan in the number ten. So yeah, that's 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 I think where that would go
0: as well. But I think I said this on Sunday. Um, Categorically, whatever I think is going to happen is never even remotely close to actually what Ian Murray does. So, and, and absolutely for the best. Um, but that. So I tell you what, let's just do a quick, uh, a quick round of predictions. So Christina, I think you said three 0 Rovers. Three
2: you nil know, all the way. Yep.
0: Robbie, did you say one 0 Rovers? Yeah, yeah, I'll stick with the one nil. All right, Ian, we'll come to you. You got a prediction for this one? One each.
3: Blair. I'm one each as well, actually. Yeah. Right. Okay.
0: Well, I tell you, I'm going to go two each. Let's at least get a bit of uh, a bit of en- entertainment for. What did you say we're up to now, Robbie? Ticket-wise? Ah, oh, we're six just hundred? under
4: six thousand. Um, so Rovers are just uh, slightly ahead of Dundee United. Um, in terms of the tickets sold, they were sitting on two thousand nine hundred and ninety-four, uh, and two thousand eight hundred and thirty-four coming from uh, Dundee. So, yeah. I've quite good, enjoyed
3: uh, this week as well. A phrase that I never ever ever in my life I've heard before but it's been said with such authority on Twitter the tangerine pound never <laughs> um, like like that's a thing
4: well the the only thing we care about is the tangerine mug let's be honest
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's uh, a a real YouTube exclusive as well the uh, uh, punters oh. listening in which absolutely would be my choice I've got no idea what we're talking about I haven't been able to see the uh, the, the tangerine mug there um, so in terms of that then talking about the crowd um, we did have discussion earlier in the week around about the the railway stand um, I, I think for something that managed to turn into a hot topic was actually incredibly one-sided um, in the end so the, the club put out a, a poll to I think to season ticket holders um, to kind of canvass opinions on the usage of the railway stand so it had been trialled earlier in the season as a, a new home for a singing section that had kind of waned a little bit. Um, I know the the community foundation were putting um, some people into that stand, but fundamentally they were saying that it's a straight choice um, to either keep it for that use or to hand it over to the away support and bring in an extra eight and a half thousand pounds if that's sold out. So um, 95% in favor, I think in the end. The um, right decision for you, Robbie?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think with the singing section, it's one of these things where you've got to have the buy-in for it. And I think there's nothing wrong with trying something and it doesn't work because that's effectively what we've done uh, at the moment. And I don't think it's a write-off idea- of an idea. I think that it could still definitely be done in the future. But I think you've got to have the buy-in from the people that are that it's potentially aimed at, which I don't think, looking back, it's certainly not appeared to be the case. But again, I don't think that's a fault of the club. They've uh, tried something new. Um, and I think that it's always worth doing that if you, you want to expand. Personally, I voted uh, to, for it to, to go to the away fans. Again, it's just going to benefit us financially, which there's nothing wrong with. Um, pointless having empty seats when you can get money. And um, again, it just likes some extra Dundee United fans having an away day as well. So, I mean, there's not really any downsides for me. Um other than potentially getting shit housed by their fans. But again, you've just got to accept that with the territory and not get too upset if it happens. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a big thing for me going through the, the club laid out, you know, good reasons, kind of, um, a good bit of detail when they were asking that question. And the last bullet point on that email was that the, the, uh, the singing section had let the club know that they were planning on being in the South stand anyway. So at that, that point, that was, I thought was a no brainer for me. Um,
3: I think it's another stroke of genius from the club, though. Like it's another we we talk about this good feeling and the new board and and the, the new direction we're going in. Do you know what I mean? Would the, would last season have that been put to a poll? Not a chance. Did it put the Dundee United fans in in a heartbeat and said it was a business decision and that would be it? Um, I think just going to the fans and asking the question is another it's another win. Like, do you know what I mean It's It plays right into that narrative of you belong, and we're in this together, and all that kind of stuff, um, I thought, really clever, really clever from the club.
1: Yeah, it's been a very good, uh, the, the way they've kind of turned it back into a positive has been been pretty impressive, mm-hmm. Um I think the club should really be commended for trying the second section, I think it was something that, like, you look at the success that the Northwest West uh, stand has got in Del and you look at the way that's flourished and kind of grown organically, and how much of our like an impact that has probably on Dunfermline and like the way they won the league last year and all the players are going over. And I think the club really wanted to emulate that, um, but I just wonder if they've maybe tried to force the hand up slightly too quickly with it. Um, and the the kind of dynamic of it being quite far away from our own supporters and stuff, it doesn't lend itself to generating that atmosphere. Like see when it see when the south stands rocking and the ball feels like it's getting sucked into that goal at the end, and then having like your three hundred singing fans. Kind of eighty yards away, up on the left-hand side, it, it just didn't quite work. But total, total respect to the club for giving it a shot and, and you know, liaising with the guys that were meant to be going in there and stuff. And you know what? It's it, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Do you know what I mean? Like they, they've they've had a stab at it. It's not quite worked. It's not to say that it's dead in the water and we can't we can't try it again. But you know what? We've we, had a stab at it, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, I respect the club for doing it.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I completely agree. I think we'll see it again in in some shape or form. I, I don't think that's the the singing section by any means being abandoned or anything like that. Um I think the club have also, you know, kind of let it be known that they're willing to kind of back that as well, um, in terms of you know, whether it's assistance with, you know, um ethos or whatever that ends up being. I think there's a willingness to engage and, and to to kind of make that an element of the the kind of match day. And you're right, they, they've had a shot at this. It's, it's not really worked out, I think, for the reasons that you've said. You really need that to be a kind of contagious thing where you've got your kind of hardcore that are making noise and you need it to spread and it's very difficult when it's across a corner of the park and it's, yeah, further... Uh, or closer to the way fans than it is to the the rest of the home end, but absolutely, I think we will. Um, I think we will see it back again. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I think Robbie, your point is absolutely right. I, I don't think there's any losers in this scenario. I don't think anyone really. The covered sold nineteen additional tickets in that section before they they kind of suspended them. So um, yeah, I, I certainly I voted the same way and and. Um, was impressed with the way that the club had handled it, and certainly, as as you said, where they could have done that differently, they could have looked at it and gone, you know, from a commercial perspective, this is a no-brainer, so we're doing it. And fundamentally, I think ninety-five percent suggest that it was a pretty straightforward decision. But it's it's the the going to the effort of of doing so, that. Can
4: I just ask a question, actually, Christina? See, were you at the League Cup game in the Fairstar Bay? No. No, all right. I was going to ask because I know that you obviously sit in the main stand, so I was going to check if like there was a noticeable difference between the south stand and having that sort of second section compared to whether it was like everyone in the south stand. But again, just unfortunate. Yeah. I
2: mean, I mean I've just obviously I've been to the every other game um, mm-hmm. and noticed that it's obviously I feel like the atmosphere is still great. It's better than it was last season, but I totally agree with the fact that it is a bit too spread out for me. I'd like it a bit closer together and more contained. And on the um, the thing about the vote and the poll, I think a lot of people were saying from what I saw on social media, the main bugbear was that it would then become Dundee United being the majority when it's meant to be our home game, but I just don't really see why that would even matter, because it doesn't going to make a difference when if you score the goals and you win. We're still going to make as much noise, so I don't really see why them having more fans would make much of a difference there, but I think that was the only other counter argument to it. Really, was the fact that they would have more, but I don't see it as a big enough reason to not do it.
0: No, I think I think Robbie. Um, I think if your totals are correct, there will still get slightly more Rovers fans. <laughs> on yeah, the just
4: current sales, just slightly, and I think it's worth calling out as well, right? Nobody's mentioned this yet. Our home support so far for the games against what Cali, Queens Park, and Morton have like pretty much doubled. Like nobody's saying, oh look at that what's happened with? Rafe? we're probably the only team that's not been promoted that's seen a substantial rise in terms mm-hmm. of the number of tickets sold um and i don't think the club get enough actual credit for that we'll get credit for the social media and everything which is richly deserved but to get the tickets sold like i know a lot of those will be probably under 12 tickets uh, but that's still people bringing their families Um, you've got the kids potentially getting strips you've got the catering you've got and then about the ground, fifty-fifty ticket. You've got all this sort of knock-on revenue that comes, and I don't think
0: the club get enough credit for that, to be honest. Yeah, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. I think, um, sorry, Christina, when when the new board came in, um, there was I think there was a slight snippishness from some people about the the kind of the social media aspect of it. And it's like yeah, numbers is one thing, but you know the retweets sell tickets. Oh, well, it looks like they might actually. Um, oh. You know the. The um, There's obviously a lot of the, the teams doing well, there was good business done in the summer, but fundamentally, a lot of this good feeling that I think we're all, you know, seeing the, the reflection of is coming from the way the club presents itself to the world, which is, you know, in 2023 comes through your social media. So uh, you're absolutely right. I think the club do deserve credit for that. And it goes beyond just the graphics that they're putting out because it's also now how are they communicating directly with the support which again what we've talked about and, and is a huge positive
3: and it's would, um sorry boy, on you go no i was going to say i would i would temper that slightly in the sense that the team's doing well <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just and say just, thing, I mean, obviously but, yeah. it's, a, it's a very different beast to when when i was involved with the social media but when things were good everything was good Do you know what i mean and when things were bad it goes bad <laughs> Quick, uh, you say that, but I think if I look back to,
4: to sort even I remember the um the sort of seasons where we uh, say the season when we had like Tad and Baird up top when we ran them firm and close for the title, I didn't feel like we even saw like that much of a jumper, even under McKinnon. I, I don't know if maybe historically I'm just biased because it's recency, but like mm-hmm. I feel like the attendance
3: didn't jump up that much compared to those points. So. I, think you're, I think you are right in that sense. And I think you hit on it as well. There's a lot of kids, which I think is amazing. Like, yeah. for years and years, we've underdone getting the kids in. Because you get the kids in, you get them hooked. And they, I mean, I went in as a kid, you know what I mean, and I'm still going now. And I'm sure you guys are the same. Like,
0: yeah, there's, yeah. Very, there's
3: very few, I think, football fans who come into going regularly in their 20s or 30s. It's usually, you know, they come in as a kid. They disappear when they get to that sort of teenage, sort of middle bit, or going to uni or whatever they're doing and then find their way back kind of yeah. thing. I,
4: mean, get... I don't mean to be over at the top, but I think that we might need to invest in some bear traps for the front of the south stand given the pitch invasions, <laughs> but, well, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's some wild overreactions to that, by the way. Um, <laughs> I, I, Fundamentally, I, I understand that that, that's, that can't happen and, and all this kind of stuff, but People are really angry. It's like that's just that is just some children. You don't need to swear at them quite so loudly.
1: Um, very, very intrigued as to like what the stewards are going to do if they do catch them. So like <laughs> there, there was kind of like a like a Benny Hill style chase going on in the park. There's like, only like, one of them chasing them though. The rest of them just
3: standing. there.
1: What do we do? You catch him. You are going to tackle an eleven-year-old to the ground. <laughs> then what? Arrest them? You're going to cart them off like?
0: Yeah, there, there was two of them. Two of them in discussion that I spotted at the last home game, and it was clearly one guy's like his first day, and you could see him <laughs> saying to <laughs> them, like, "You never told me there would be hundreds of children massing in front of us," and they were just going, "I, I don't know worry about it, because we're not doing anything. Like you can put your arms out, and that is that is it. That's 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 as much as we are doing." And and rightly, panel sir.
3: announcement as well. Please, please, please stay off the pitch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it's, it's one of these it's like i don't know how you solve that i absolutely i'm glad that's not my remit to to try and uh try and you know put measures in place but i I say there was a couple of folk near me who were really really losing the rag it's like it's it's, it's fine it's, it's nobody's gonna get hurt or anything just uh, maybe tone down a little bit um but i, I do know sorry Blit, just to go back a second i know exactly what you mean about the the social media stuff and as much as some of the the slightly the slightly kind of dafter stuff and the, the the funner stuff that they're doing is is much easier to do on the back of a win than it is if you've just been tanked, like, 4-0. Um, I don't imagine the comments would be quite as, as uh, appreciative.
3: Um, I, I actually love the direction it's going because there was a few times when I was involved that I'd, we, we just had a group chat and there was a load of us that kind of were all volunteers and all put ideas, and I'd throw in, like, a pretty outrageous kind of idea and it would be oh eh, no no I don't think we should maybe do that let's you know and the phrase was used a lot was keep your powder dry just you know keep your powder dry we don't need to, to do that I was up for kind of noising up the pars or or whatever because I think you just you just need a wee pylon. on and if we lose we lose I loved roaring back it was before I was involved I thought it was amazing and it backfired spectacularly
4: Especially when they brought it back on the day before we lost the title on the final I, day one. I loved
3: <laughs> like, that though. As soon as it happened,
2: you're like, what the
3: fuck? Love it. I, honestly, I think that's incredible. Like, just to, to get it out and dust it off out the cover and stuff was brilliant. And it's it's one of those things you have to have a go because it might backfire. You know I mean? But the, 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 the best bit of social media the whole summer was dick extension. Aye. It was just, it was so obvious, like, why would you not do it? But I'm telling you, a year before, we wouldn't have
4: done it. Aye. To go back to the Roaring Back thing, though, it was the air fans that reversed reversed the video, (laughs) so that was the Roaring Back
0: thing. (laughs) Oh, fucking creased at that. (laughs) I think think you're right, though. It's it's one of these things where, especially if everybody's doing it, like, it's fine, it's it's games of football, somebody's going to have to lose. Um... But you might as well have a laugh while you're doing it. Like that. I love
3: the Air United photos at the weekend. Somebody put up, the, did you see that? The website photos on Air United. <laughs> where they're all like, they, they look like the cone men for the time. <laughs> Those elongated photos. And so the social media put up, it was photos of Rovers players in exactly the same way.
0: Ah, oh, genius. And that's it. And if you get scudded, you get scudded. Doesn't it actually? you then going get less points if you've tried having a laugh. In the, and then there's thing, like, that um the poster they've released, the the kind of comic style poster, which in itself is incredible. The just the artwork and stuff that's and yeah. the effort that's gone into that is brilliant. But it's yeah, Tony Watt tipped on his side. So if Tony Watt scores a hat trick on Saturday, then then fine, you need to eat that. I'm still more bothered about the fact he scored a hat trick than the fact that we look slightly silly in addition to the hat trick. So um yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right on that front and um I let's hope we see a bit more of that kind of um more of uh yeah this this podcast favorite subject so far a bit more shithousing as the uh yeah. as the season goes on sounds and, like a segue um, it certainly does thank you for that mate thanks for shining a light on that that was nearly incredibly smooth um so if you did listen to to episode one uh you'll remember that we we kind of ran through some of our favorite uh kind of shithousing moments and we we had a few sent in from listeners um oddly all listeners called alan somehow uh, when I checked back, it was at least three of them. A weird coincidence. Um, but anyway, they, they were there were belters. There were some really, really good ones. But there is just one that um, I've got here. that I'm just going to read it out in full because uh, it's very worthwhile uh, doing so. So this is a, a YouTube comment that came from Hodge. Right. So best piece of shit housing has to be Ross Matthews at League One Falkirk. Just like Robbie. Uh, I'd tweeted Ross and Regan Tumulty saying if they scored and celebrated with the drinking Falkirk tears, I'd put money towards Regan's Movember fundraiser. Uh, at the winner, I ran onto the park, hugged Ross, told him the money was sent, and then got arrested.
4: <laughs> so, just to expand as well on this story, um, I'm, in a, I'm in a group chat with Hajj and um, obviously the court case rumbles on for a good few months after. It goes to court because apparently Falkirk wanted to press the highest charges possible. He gets sent to the to court. Yeah, he, he had to go to, I think it was a sheriff court, it might have been in Stirling. He well. goes all the way through and the judge goes, Why is this case in front of me? and throws it out immediately. <laughs> so, yeah, just straight away, just chucked out, just completely irrelevant. So, yeah, Hajj, what a legend of a human being.
1: Falkirk I- FC with ideas above their station. Not for the first time <laughs> may I say
0: Just bad. Yeah. D- did not need a judge to tell us that bamming up Falkirk is not a crime. Um but I'm I'm glad we took that just uh, just slight turn into true crime podcasting okay. for a for a couple of minutes there. Um so uh anyway, so let, let's move on to this week's uh, this week's big question. So I did mention during the intro, Ian, you you scored a wonder goal at Starks Park. And uh, on the promise that this is the only time that we're going to make you talk about it, um, I'm going to ask you just to, to talk us through that goal and then um, we'll get your your favourite other goal that's been scored into the North End at Starks Park.
1: Certainly, you're too kind. Um, I think 20, 2012, I believe it was, um, or 2013, I can't remember. There was like a live the dream game, essentially. So it was like you could pay 50 quid for a hat or £100 to play the whole game, so I was like, Right, well, I'll play 50 quid and I'll, I'll get 45 minutes. So, um, I was with Paul Smith's team and he threw the, threw the captain's armband at me in the dressing room and said, Ian, you take them out, and I'm sitting there on teary eyed. It was honestly magic. Um, I'd actually come off at half time, I'd played my 45 minutes, and drawn, John Greer of this parish uh, was, was kind of on the bench beside me. The other team scored. And whilst the referee wasn't looking, and I've never said this before, John Greer pushed me back onto the park when I shouldn't have been back on the park. And that's when the goal was scored. So we did score that goal with uh, 12 players on the park, but there we go. It's, uh, you could sue me. Let's replay the game. <laughs> uh, so the goal itself, Graham Kogler, um has actually got the ball with some electric wing play down the right-hand side of me, I say. Like a whippet. He goes down and he plays it to uh, Liam Garlick, Bill Garlick, uh, who whips the ball in. Um, it kind of gets headed out at the far post to the far side. Andy Sutherland, one of my pals, collects the ball and plays it back in. It gets headed back out, and uh, John McGlynn is pointing at me because there's nobody <laughs> near me at the edge of the box. And uh, yeah. As, as we now know why. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly, because uh, there was nobody there to mark me. Did John shout,
3: Can you count? At any point, sorry. I
1: had to... <laughs> <laughs> just as it dropped in, uh, yeah, the ball just drops perfectly onto my my right foot, and uh, yeah, I lashed it straight in the net without a bounce. It was fucking excellent. I'm not gonna lie.
0: It is, it is an incredible goal. Um, it will be it will be on the Twitter after this because it says everybody needs to see this. It really is. a uh, an unbelievable strike. Um,
4: See, before we, we move on to our best North Stand goals, can I just mention as well I think it was John uh, Greer I don't know if anyone else went to Davy McGurn's testimonial I, I but think just,
1: I know exactly what you're about to say John,
4: John Greer just stops caring at one point and he just decides to run on the pitch and start interviewing folk like, how are you getting on? <laughs> <Alan> <laughs> you struggling <Walker>. today?
3: <laughs> he asked Alan Walker if he'd eaten all the pies because he'd had a weight on, in the middle of the game while it's still playing I,
0: I'm again. I think the recurring theme of this podcast is that I am far too much of a shitebag. But I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be having a dig at Alan Walker during the game of football either. You're very, very angry, man. Very angry. Um. Right. You'd setting aside uh your own incredible strike. What's uh what's your your favorite other goal that you've seen into that end?
1: Yeah. So I'm going to go for um, Joe Cardell, uh against St Johnston. In the Scottish Cup quarter final on the 8th of March in 2014. Um, the ball kind of goes up to Gordon Smith um, and he he takes the ball in and holds off Stephen Anderson, who we of course um had a, had quite a successful loan spell with us. He holds it up and lays it back off to Cardell. Cardell's probably 10 yards in front of the center the center circle um in the, the North Stand half. He kind of drops the left shoulder and then cuts to the right hand side as he so often did and uh, kind of runs away from James Dunn. And then he kind of progresses forward maybe five or, five or ten yards to the right and then hits this shot. It's an arrow. It lasers in off the far post. Uh, goalie, absolutely no chance. And then he's, he's so delighted he runs away and falls on his arse during the celebration. Uh, yeah, it, it's such a good strike. I was watching it back kind of from a few different angles and stuff. Um, quite incredible. It's nearly ten years ago that that happened. I was watching it back and obviously we had the grass park at the time. So just as Cardo goes to hit the ball, it pops up like a, like a few centimetres, and just the way that it comes up off the turf allows Cardo to get such a clean hit on the ball. Like it's such a clean strike, it's almost like a kind of volley because it's popped up off the off the ground it's a sweet strike and uh, it lasers in off the far post. It's a a super, super goal. Um, St. Johnston went on to win the Cup. They won the game 3-1. That was our equaliser. They went on to win 3-1. I don't know if you guys remember that. That was at the time where we were going through that wee weird spell where everybody that beat us went on to win the Cup. Fucking bizarre. I'm sure it was like Inverness, Inverness, St. Johnston, uh, Hibs and Celtic, I think four years in a row. Bizarre.
3: Yeah, really, really really strange. But, yeah. It's also I, I, how you know the game is. You know the game was televised because Joe has scored a good goal. Absolutely.
1: Super Joe. Uh, I, you know, I really liked Carroll. because when he was with us, like obviously his affiliation to Don is undoubtedly he's a Parrs legend, like. Um, but I just think he he had that kind of wee spark of quality in a squad that was really kind of lacking it at that time. We're like plodding our way to a seventh place finish in the championship under Grant Murray, but I feel like. He was the one who like could light up a game and can can really give you that weak touch of quality. I
3: thought he was excellent. The fact we took him on as they went into administration was even sweeter. <laughs> <laughs> or some <something> of <like> that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. He's, uh, he's
0: got the assist for possibly my favourite Rovers goal of all time, which is uh, Grant Anderson's backwards header at uh, Easter Road. But um, that will be my answer to a different question on a different day. Um, Christina, let's come to you next for your favourite um, goal at the away end.
2: So the only person I had in mind was Aidan Connolly. I feel like when I think of Aidan Connolly, I feel like that's where he scores all the time, is in, in the North Stand. I just see him like scoring belters from like really, really far range. Um, so I had two in mind. One was um, against East 5. That was a cup game. But then I remembered about the one near the south. I actually thought that was longer ago than it was. Um, I think it was only 2022, I think it was. Um, And he scored an absolute belter. Um, But I just always associate him with that area and just scoring down there. Um,
0: That's that. Hopefully hopefully we'll see him back on Saturday, actually. Um, Ian Murray, I think, saying today that he's been desperate to give him minutes. But the games have been too tight recently which I kind of wondered about, um, like Airdrie was quite tight, but we were getting beat, but I, I couldn't remember the order he'd put his subs on then, I don't know if he just ran out of ran out of bodies or not. He but...
3: took three on at once,
0: but... Airdrie. He went to front three. But that, aye, um, I definitely. I, I it was Hamilton get injured and he put he put three on at once. But I, I definitely, I think Eden Connolly... He's he's in the same mould as a lot of those other attacking players that we've got, but actually the quality that he's got um is excellent. I think it's almost a shame that um him and Josh Mullen are in exactly that same position because they'd be if you could mirror image either one of them, I think that would give you two very good wide options. Um as opposed it's almost like we've got our two kind of out and out wingers, are both on the right hand side, and yeah. then you've got like your likes of Callum Smith and Dylan Easton who are, are kind of more inside forwards I suppose. Uh, coming off the other side. But maybe even
2: might
0: be a sub on Saturday then? Potentially? I I I say, I certainly hope so. I hope we'll see him. Um next Sunday United player as well. Yeah
4: that's
0: true. Tom Stanton as well. Aye, oh, Thank you Watson aye. <laughs> Um aye, I, I, I see I hope we'll see him back. I, I think he's got a lot of quality. I think um he was the one that I'd sort of almost forgotten about when Ethan Ross went out on loan. But you think actually well, mm-hmm. still got Aidan Connolly to come in, then it definitely makes sense. It's so much quality in those uh, those forward areas. Um but I definitely coming in on that left foot and just arrowing it into the far uh far corner, um excellent goals at Aidan Connolly. As you say, at that far end. He gets his assists at the south end and he saves his goals for the north. I actually, um, watched,
2: I actually watched them both back and they're very similar. The way he scores them every aye. time is very similar.
0: What was it when Dario Anata went through that phase where he just scored the same goal every week <laughs> for like four some weeks boy, on the bench? Some boy. Yeah, it's like just stop showing him onto that foot, and then they did stop showing him want that foot, and they never kicked a ball again the rest of the season. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was,
2: you know, the first game as well. Dario in that, when I was in ah, that that. One. quite similar.
0: Um, okay, Blair, let's come to you for yours, please.
3: So I've been, I've been obviously we t- we chatted about this kind of through the week to to plan ahead, and I'm I'm going to be quite greedy. Um, I've got three because I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't narrow it down. So different eras, though, is the big thing for me. So the first one, as a young kid, watching Raith Rovers in the UEFA Cup, and when I remember this goal, it was about 60 yards out, cannoned in off the bar. It was amazing, but it was um, Stevie McInnesby's free kick against Gotu in the in the first game. Um, still a beautiful free kick, but it was only about 20 yards out. As a young boy in the in the railway stand, it was like it was a thing of beauty. Um, the second one is <clears throat> so I grew up playing football manager, and there was a thing about signing foreigners, like having that little that little fr was it frg I think it was. Next to the game. And when Wraith signed Soren Anderson, um, who who came in, and he scored. It was his home debut against Celtic. So the ball breaks up the right. Um, I think it was Kevin Twaddle crosses it in and Soren Anderson does the kind of through the legs, clip of the heel into the bottom corner to go 1-0 up against Celtic um, I mean we got beat 2 or 3-1 I think that day, um, that was like George Cadet and and Pierre Van Hoydonk and stuff in their team but yeah, Soren Anderson, that was like big time, we had foreigners in our team um, and then we beat the Pars 5-1 so I had to pick one of them, um, Jamie, Jamie Gullan's last one just a death nail. It was, yeah, I think a beauty up at that in Northland.
4: The scary thing was that could have been six because Tate hit the post with an absolute belter as well just for like minutes to go. And honestly, mm-hmm. I, I cannot imagine how good that would have been if that stadium had been full. Like, just no. would have been I was there. there.
3: It was surreal. Right. Totally surreal.
1: So I had just moved into my house uh, in Dunfermline at the time. And uh, it, was a, it was a beautiful summer's evening. I had the doors open at the back roaring at the telly every go, and then the next day putting the bins out the next door neighbouring's wee boy have got their and tops on. I thought, oh, yes. what a bummer. That's are lovely. We got really well, but yeah, it was a, <laughs> a tense moment.
4: Just uh, to say, though, Blair, I do miss that sort of early 2000s from the time I have a panky, uh, panky for a uh, this periods where you would just go to Rovers and you'd rock up on a Saturday, and obviously this was well before, like, social media, and there would just be a random new foreign name on the team sheet. <laughs> And aye, that was a, a cracking period. It was brilliant. We've not,
3: yeah, we've not really had the, yeah, the the kind of mystical foreign players for a while. Like we've had a few uh, kind of was, players coming in, but they're always on loan from a Premier League team, kind of coming down. Yeah. But the days uh, of Nacho Novo rocking up at Starts Park, like no one's heard of him. And, I
4: mean, like Didier, a gap, like yeah. a player like that, just someone just walks in and you're like, right. Even Piquito, Piquito's a great example. Like came from La Liga the Rovers, and you're just yeah, freaking, yeah.
0: Was, uh, John McGlynn tried to keep that going, and it just never ever worked for him.
2: You would get Javier
0: Maya uh, Javi <laughs> and uh, Juan Guerrero, and yeah. uh, you I get remember. sixty minutes ago out of these guys. Just um, everyone was like, "Oh,
4: get the Spaniard on, get the Spaniard on, with Guerrero," and then he got subbed off after being subbed on against there. He, and yeah, that, that was
3: that it. He won us the league that <laughs> year. He won as a league because that was when John McGlynn didn't play four four two because he had to take him off and he went <laughs> to stop, and he played four three three and we won the league because. of
0: him. Yeah, fair. That's fair. Remember that Javier Maya? He's like, oh look how skinny he is. Like he must be so good if he's getting to play football and he's that skinny and wearing boots that bright and uh, dreadful. Absolutely, just horrendous. Um, right, Robbie, I'm going to jump in. I'll let you go last. So uh, for this one, I have gone for um. Uh, an equalising goal in a game at the end of the first quarter of a season, which you wouldn't think would be particularly important, but it was uh, Danny Armstrong's equalising free kick against Falkirk in the uh, notorious COVID season. So at the time, you think, "All oh, right, you're you're turning a loss into a into a draw. That's fine." Um, but fundamentally, for a season that ended on a, a points per game basis, a uh, really quite an important one. Um, I don't actually know quite what it would have worked out to be because I I, I don't support Falkirk so I've not worked it out but um, I'm sure it was important and it's an incredible free kick as well and it's one of those that looks all the better because Cammie Bell does get a hand to it. If it just goes straight in it's it's still a good free kick but the fact that the keeper's got there and still can't get a strong enough wrist behind it um, right into that postage stamp corner it really has had a brilliant brilliant
3: free kick. Anderson's first game back as well wasn't it? He'd went to Ross County
0: Aye. And,
3: and then, then he then, came back and that was him that was him back. Yeah. I yeah, remember being um,
4: absolutely ballistic at that goal and my mate who'd only just recently started going to Rovers games at that point, is like, Why are you going so mental? Like it's just and I was like, nah, you really need to understand. And then by the end of the
0: season, like looking back, you're like, Aye, exactly. <laughs> um the reason I went mental at that game was because Danny Armstrong came on at half time for Dave McKay, who John McGlynn had finally decided to stop playing as a wing back. <laughs> Which nothing against Dave McKay, he's a cracking centre half uh, for for kind of League One level at least. Not a wing back, <laughs> never a wing back. Stop playing him as a wing back. It's uh, so like get hooked at half time because we were two nothing down. Should have been three nothing down. And um, I can't remember who got the first now, but yeah, that free kick equaliser is, a, uh, is a, an absolute belter. It was and, uh, Michael uh, Miller. Oh, so it was. Uh, was There's like a throwback to the past. Yeah, he's, a, he's another one that um, a bit like Keiran McDonald that When he left, you think well, he looks pretty decent, he'll make it to this level, and then just aye. hasn't been able to. But um, aye. Dave McKay wouldn't have scored that free kick, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, right, Robbie, um, how about yours then? Favorite oh. goal into the uh, the North Stand?
4: I'm, I'm gonna take inspiration from
0: Blair and go for freedom. of them. Um, so the first <laughs> one was one I'm that... keeping a list here, and I'm gonna to have to turn over <laughs> the page.
4: It's just going to be a compilation of goals <laughs> in one stand. Like, what the fuck's that about? Um, so, firstly, Roderick McEwen against Morton. Um, just that, that was the, the Ray McKinnon season. And um, just the way that he hits it. I don't even know if he makes like a proper connection or it takes a deflection. But he sort of hits it and falls over. So, he falls on his arse and his back's to the goal. And then you see him, as he's standing up, he turns turns around almost to sort of see what's going on in front of him because he thinks, oh, I need to get back for a goal kick. But it's flown right (laughs) into the net. So he just starts celebrating just pointing at his name on the back of his shirt and you're just... Rory McEwen just seems a really lovely guy. Um, He just a lot of interaction in terms of Twitter. He went over to New Zealand for a bit, and now he's back playing for, I think, Crusaders in Northern Ireland, and he was playing against Rosenberg in the Champions League, which was just a really strange thing to see, sort of the team sheet, and you're like, oh, that's what you're up to nowadays. And I think he does uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as well, so, uh, so that's number one. Um, number two, I, only because I got into a discussion about it, um, because Ryan only came up on Twitter, and uh mentioning the big Armand that uh, his goal against Airdre, which Armandone cannot remember in the League Cup. But it was... Uh, but you can,
0: which yeah, the main thing.
4: It was a midweek League Cup game back when it was like, there was obviously no group stages at that point. Airdre were the division above us and this was when we were sort of Gordon DL period. So obviously sort of just the season after um, no. sort of our first season back in um, the old Division 2. And uh, we'd signed Armandone and obviously big unit of a forward, and uh, oh, what a hit that was. He just absolutely levers it, volley, edge of the box, and it, you genuinely thought the the goalposts were going to come out. It was just hit that hard. Like, he, just absolutely rocket of a hit. Um So that would be number two. Number three is actually not even a rover's goal. It's just from a sheer appreciation point um a a player you know what it's like when you follow sort of the lower leagues and you just get a bit of an appreciation for overall class players that you think probably could make it at a higher level if they just had a bit of extra sort of physique um or just pace about them and that's ross forbes i don't know if you guys remember
0: this ross forbes had far too much physique that was his problem
4: yeah well (laughs) that's very true Um, but his hit against Robbie Thompson, and Robbie Thompson probably won't want to be reminded of this because he was a bit off his line, to say the least, but uh, he was playing for uh, Dumbarton at the time, and he must have been about 40 yards out, and he just lifts it over him. He's just caught him off his line. It's like a first, like, two-touch maybe, and just lifts it straight over him, but uh, just Ross Forbes is one of those players where you do just think if he'd just been a fitter player, he could have gone all the way, but
0: again, that's unfortunately the curse of it. You're absolutely right. That is an incredible goal. I knew as, as soon as you said it was against the Rovers, uh, that's going to be that Ross Forbes one. But um, yeah. categorically for me, that's a goalkeeping error. Um, <laughs> 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 that just just does fundamental. Absolutely yes. We've um, absolutely slaughtered our goalkeepers
4: tonight. By the way, yeah, has no. anyone got anything bad to say about Andy McNeil? <laughs> just get out of the way. And we're
0: talking about the new Andy McNeil. We've got plenty to say about the old Andy I was McNeil. Say Andy <laughs> yeah. I don't enjoy his name. That's my, <laughs> my main criticism of Andy McNeil. Um, excellent. Thank you very much for those uh, for those memories of of about 400 different goals into the uh, the away <laughs> end. Um, but there will be others, and uh, we'd like to hear from you as well. So absolutely, send in your favourite North Stand goals as well. Um, so you can tweet those to us. You can put them in the YouTube comments, like Hodge, uh sent us that one last week. So I think that will bring us to a close for this evening's uh, Dundee United preview and uh, extended North Stand goal chat. So you can absolutely follow the podcast on Twitter. That is at O-N-N-N podcast. I'm getting better at saying that. You can subscribe to us on YouTube. That is at Oh No podcast. Um, please also follow the excellent David Latto who provides the, the intro and the outro music. Uh, he's at David Lato on Twitter. Um, hopefully he's got some new music coming soon. Go and see him if he's gigging near you as well. Um, But on behalf of everybody here, uh, I just want to say a massive thank you to everybody who listened to that first episode. Uh, We got loads and loads of feedback. Most of it was pretty positive, um, and it does mean a lot to us. So um, thank you again for listening. Uh, If you're at the game on Saturday and the people that you're with haven't heard the podcast yet, please send them in our direction. But that is everything for me, so I'm going to say goodbye. And uh, I'll let the rest of you say goodbye as well.
3: Goodbye. Goodbye.
0: I'm waving for the
3: podcast. (laughs) Thanks for listening.